Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoop, Bada Bing, and Johnson. I'm happy about this win, question mark? I try to I try to lead you down a path. You never go down my path. So no, I, I never to... pick up what you're putting down, Scoop. I try <laughs> to throw you off and you don't bite. Yeah, guys, it was a weekend of ugly wins for West Virginia athletics, except, except... For West Virginia men's soccer, who we're just going to start to show off with that, guys, because it's the it's it's like the one light a uh, beacon of hope for us right now. Dan Stratford and the West Virginia men's soccer team moves on to the Elite Eight in the NCAA Soccer Finals Championship. And first time WVU Scooty has played in the Elite Eight in over 40 years for their men's soccer team. It's pretty crazy. Uh, oddly enough. West Virginia, the state in general, somehow becoming a soccer mecca, a soccer hub. I know. Who knew? Right. Like, uh, I don't know, being a former high school soccer coach, uh, I can tell you the soccer that typically is played in West Virginia is not seen as high-level soccer around the country. So it's just kind of odd that uh, two of our larger institutions here in West Virginia are now uh, becoming known for having great soccer programs. Well, I think it's awesome, Guido, and good for Dan Stratford. I mean, it's, you know, in kind of a short amount of time, he's got things really on the right track. I think it's I think it's pretty amazing, and I'm really interested to see where they go from here. I, they, they finished strong last year, so it felt like they could have been set up for a season like this, and they're really, you know, turning that into, into something really good here. Yeah, they were kind of snubbed last year in the NCAA bracket, and they get into it this year, so uh, kudos to them. They beat Tulsa in the second overtime. Tulsa was a uh, high-ranked team, though. At one point, I think Tulsa was second in the NCAAs this season. So, uh, congrats to to him. First time WVU soccer, men's soccer, has been in the Elite Eight in over 40 years. So, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome for him. But, other than soccer, and other than what Dan Stratford's doing there, uh, we look at football and basketball, guys. It was a rough weekend. We'll start with football. Uh, football beats Kansas. Um, I, if I don't sound excited about beating Kansas, I apologize. I mean, it was 34, 28 final score at, at no point. Did we ever feel like we had the game Johnson at no point did I ever like it's Kansas. And like, usually I'm used to sitting there going, ah, oh, it's Kansas by halftime. I'm like, eh, this game's done. Maybe we'll see some fun stuff in the second half. At no point during this game was I not on the edge of my couch freaking out. Yeah, and it felt like really up until the very end, we were just kind of making sure we held on and took care of business and got out of Dodge. A couple Chandler Semedo interceptions, two in the end zone. Um, you know, if he doesn't make those plays, this this could be a, a totally different game. And Kansas was even still pulling out the stops, two kickers on the field at one time trying to get an onside kick, uh, you know, at one point. So, yeah, it, it, it was not something that uh, – not only do we not expect it, it didn't feel that great, Guido. I mean, this is not a good Kansas team. I know they're amped up after beating Texas, and they came in with a little bit more emotion than we normally see. I do like their quarterback. Scoot's a big fan of their quarterback. I think he's going to have the potential to be something really nice there for them. But I think in general, I really thought uh, we would have won this game going away 
you know, two touchdowns, 17 points maybe, but it was a game for four quarters. Yeah, Scooty, other than the fact that Raisin Cane's is the sponsor of Which Kansas's, is fantastic. Yeah, it's like your favorite Better than chicken Chick-fil-A. Place. Better than Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jalen Daniels is looks like the real deal for Kansas. I mean, he's he's a pretty uh, fun quarterback to watch. He's fun. He's exciting. He's everything we don't have right now behind center. Well, and he gave a heck of an effort too. I mean, his last touchdown, he's like you know laying out perpendicular to the field. You know, and he's, he's trying to or parallel to the field. He's trying not to get a knee down, stick the ball in. I mean, it. He gave a heck of an effort too. I get it, and I say this in tongue in cheek. Yes, Jarrett Deggy has great stats. Yes, Jarrett Deggy is competent at times when he has time. But we've heard it kind of, we, we hear this week in and week out when we watch these games with some of these um, announcers and analysts that we don't really know our program. They often will give him kind of like a, a backhanded compliment in saying that he's a great facilitator or he's a good manager when he has time, or they'll say things like when he's not trying to do anything, he does great. Well, that's like, that's not really all that good, right? That's not exciting. (laughs) Hey, when he doesn't try to do anything, he's awesome. That's basically saying when you're a gargoyle, you're great. Well, I thought early Guido, in his defense, he he was playing really well. I mean, he was completing passes. He didn't have, you know, we weren't we weren't making mistakes. I thought through the first half, he did, you know, in his defense, uh, you know, I know we get tired of hammering on him all the time. I thought he was playing a good game. Then, and I know we'll dig into it, but it was like I I made the comment to you guys on the text machine that it felt like he had another army game. The only difference was Austin Kendall wasn't there. So instead of taking him out of the game, they spent most of the second half of the third quarter, I think, and pretty much all of the fourth quarter, like, uh, hey, buddy, how about you never throw another pass again? <laughs> right. Like they just turned him into a handoff machine. Yeah, and I think if you look at the stats, I, I, my quick numbers when I looked at it, Johnson, was first half, I think he had 17 passing attempts second half he had six passing attempts yeah a really a really weird game now he he throws the pick six at one time to really get kansas back in this ball game they subsequently go for two which made all of us uncomfortable because somehow a guy wearing number 68 gets loose in the flat and catches one and goes in for two that was was really weird it was like a (laughs) it was not hard to find it was like a maytag refrigerator caught a two-point conversion and we weren't aware of it you know which which felt weird but i i think we don't you know after that it was like i got the feeling and i saw some chatter on on twitter around the time too it was like people were saying you know that's there they felt like there were multiple potential pick sixes that was the only one that Kansas actually cashed in on so I think it felt like Jordan uh not Jordan Leslie it felt like Gerard Parker and maybe the offensive play calling just got to a place where they were like you know what Letty's having some success uh personally I thought Mathis looked terrific you know let's just run the ball Let's just run the ball. Let's just hand it off. Letty had a first play fumble, but after that, he was super solid. Um, kudos yep. to him for going over a thousand. But yeah, it just felt like they took the ball out of Deggy's hands and said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to play it safe. Get out of here with a win. We're going to run the ball." Well, and I, I totally felt the same way. I mean, you you can't not have the sense that after they threw that pick six, after Deggy threw that pick six uh, in the third quarter, that 
collectively there was a pucker sound on the coaching (laughs) staff for WVU (laughs) because they were all like, oh my gosh, we are going to lose our jobs. Right. Like our, this is, this could be our jobs. And then, so then you saw the next series came out. They had a nine play series. Eight of those plays were running plays. They scored on it. They scored a touchdown on that series. But you know, I think that there was a little bit of self-preservation, Scooty, that had to kind of happen there because they were going to lose that game if I think Jared Dagey kept throwing the ball. Well, and it's, again, another one of our games where, oddly enough, we think, well, we're going to run the ball when we typically throw the ball. Like, uh, I still go back to that one series. I think it was a fourth quarter. I don't know. I can't remember who we were playing. Texas might have been. No, it wasn't Texas. But it was somebody we were up on, and we decided to throw the ball four straight plays. I, I don't know if it's as if like somebody got a hold of Gerard Parker or Jared, I guess is probably really his name, or Neil Brown and said, listen, hey, I know what you're thinking, but we're actually going to do the right thing this time. We're just going to run the ball <laughs> and, and turn they're off like, his headset. They're <laughs> like, uh, what would you do? And he was like, pass. And he goes, okay, obviously we're running now. Maybe so they've like, got like a guy that's like the get back guy, but he's like the unplug guy. So right. when he's, like, he's running around unplugging everybody's yeah, headsets. Yeah. He's like, hey, <laughs> listen, if Parker starts calling out pass plays, un- <laughs> unplug that thing. Unplug his headset. Don't let him. The, the, the guys who block and, the signal callers are standing blocking them from <laughs> the field. That's right. Yeah. They t- instead of protecting, <laughs> I, I, they're blocking. Yeah. I, I think here's my thing. And going back to Jalen Daniels a little bit and watching him play, and I know there's a lot of hope for him and that coaching staff in Kansas. You know, you look at a guy like Jalen Daniels and you look at how hard he played against us, uh, the things that he can do, and some of the passes he made. And you say, well, gosh, if you give a kid like that, so, and, and you got to remember, Jalen Daniels, I think he's only 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. right. And so, I mean, he played a game last year for Kansas at 17 years old. Yeah, which is College, that's you know, crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's insane. Um, but you you look at somebody like him and like his wide receiving core, like most of their offensive playmakers are not playmakers, you know. And so I think if you gave him a team like WVU, if you had, you know, a Sean Ryan and a BFW and, a, uh, you know, Winston Wright Jr., if you had some of those kind of playmakers around a guy like that, that's a whole different team, you know. And I, so I feel bad for him. And on the other side, you watch it, Scooty, like you said, and it's like, gosh, like somebody that could at least change up the game a little bit would be – you know, kind of nice. Well, and one other thing, though, guys, I, I think we should give some give some discussion to though around. You know, Kansas was able to complete some passes. <laughs> Scoot kept Scoot kept calling the fullback for Kansas that's now in Applebee's commercials and stuff a sprinter van, which which cracked me up because the dude is like a bowling ball. I mean, he's just like he's he's a big <laughs> well, ball. You've heard of the runaway beer truck. You've heard of the fridge. This guy's more like a sprinter van. Like he's. <laughs> Six foot three, two forty five. Like, but I think yeah, Jared. Casey. But I think that was possible in part, and and you know, partway through, I think the second quarter, Jackie Matthews gets hurt, and I find myself sitting there watching TV, like, who, like, who else do we have left? to go into this poor secondary, you know, these guys have they're you know, we've got some guys that have been thrown in and I know it's next man up, right. I'm not making excuses, but it's like Kansas is having some, some pretty good, uh, pretty good luck throwing the ball in situations where as a fan, you're watching it saying like, wow, that's a coverage breakdown or how's that guy so wide open. And then I think it's, you're, you're being disingenuous if you don't at least mention that, 
I, I feel like our secondary is decimated outside of like Alonzo Adai. Uh, I mean, I know Daryl Porter Jr. has been playing for a while now, but I, you know, there's guys in positions where I know they're feeling like, you know, they haven't had a lot of time in the position and now they're being asked to step up and make plays. I think, I think that secondary is in a bad spot right now. And to be honest, if anyone could use another month of, practice and healing up and you know just reps as we go into a bowl and next season it's probably the secondary wouldn't you agree guido i mean they're kind of beat up right now yeah i mean you've got scotty young x-ray low nick troy fortune aubrey brooks and now possibly jackie matthews charles wood was you know woods was in rough shape but still played yesterday so you got all these guys that are either injured and out or injured and trying to play right now so it you know it makes us you know super super young and you're relying on you know guys names that we haven't even heard before that probably weren't supposed to be heard this year so and we've kind of seen that as the season has gone on because I think defensively we were much stronger the bit first half of the season even in some of those games we lost the Oklahoma loss defense looked great in those losses it was offense that wasn't producing Texas Tech loss or is that- yeah but even the Oklahoma lost I mean even the in the, even in the loss to Oklahoma earlier in the season the defense looked strong yeah. Texas Tech same thing though I mean the defense looked strong that first half of the season yeah, yeah. when the injury when the injuries started to land especially when you've lost when you lost you know Nick Troy Fortune who I think was probably the leader of that that core I would agree you know, yeah the D-backs. I would agree I think that really hurt really really hurt them so yeah you're not wrong Johnson like this having this opportunity these extra whatever 15 practices that they're going to get between now and the bowl game if anything it helps next year more than this year but it gives these guys more playing time uh moving forward Scooty yeah I agree I I, I just worry that I mean I don't know I think we're gonna see a lot of guys not play I think we're gonna see um I don't know. I, I know we we're going to talk probably a little bit about this later, but you think people are going to voluntarily sit? Yeah, I saying. think we're going to see a bunch of guys not play, especially those upperclassmen. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of showing is that going to give us in a bowl game? So let's say we end up playing Auburn or one of these other big Power Five schools, and we don't have some of the guys that we've relied on. Could get ugly fast. So I don't know. I I'm concerned about. The long term, the long term of this program, right? So I'm, I guess, the trajectory of this program. I know we're six and six. If we win, we're going to be seven and six, and we weren't that last year. I guess so. That is technically improvement, but is it really? It doesn't feel like it. I'm, and I know that people on Twitter are going crazy. There's a lot of people saying. We should be thankful we've got football and we're just, you know, we're this and we're that. But at what point do we sit back and just be comfortable being mediocre? Like if if that's what we want to do, then it doesn't really matter if we're in the Big 12, the American, the colonial. I mean, what's, what's the point, right? If we're there to win – then let's do things that are going to help us win. Let's let's play people that are going to help us win. Let's um, make coaching decisions and and scheme exciting things that are going to bring recruits that are going to help us win because we lost another recruit. I mean, I know it doesn't mean anything until they get here, but we did have another recruit decommit, so that's three in the last two weeks. So that's those are some of my concerns. I, I don't know. I know I've kind of spun this away from where you led me. But I am 
not on this climb. I am, I feel like the voice of reality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody would say that you're the voice of reality. I mean, but, but Scoot, so to that point though, let's, let's just for argument's sake right now, play this out a little bit. You've got 15 days or you got 15 practices between now and, you know, whatever bowl we play between Christmas and New Year likely. What can Neil Brown do for a fan like you that has lost all hope? What can he do in these 15 days to get you back? Mm, what can a, he do between now a, and the bowl game? You know, is there is there anything that makes you feel like there's momentum? I mean, you've got a signing day in there. You've got that early signing day, which I think is like December uh, 23rd this year or 22nd, maybe 22nd this year. What? What can make what would make Scooty happy Scoot, at this point? Scoot, babe, what what do we got to do to get you onto this climb? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, it's probably not going to happen in the next 15 days. What what would be ideal for me to soften? And there was a moment there in the middle of the season where I had a fleeting thought where I could soften. You were climb curious. I was Iowa I was State, willing I was post Iowa State game. I was willing to listen. You were you were climb adjacent. You were <laughs> you were trying to figure out how long it would take to pack up base camp. That's what you were doing. Uh for me, I don't know. I I'd like Neil Brown to kind of be a little bit more I guess fiery with the team. He seems to be very like I don't know. It doesn't seem fi- like I feel like he's fiery at times with the officials. You want a few like Holgo, uh, like like it's okay uh, to rip into a guy. Like it really is okay. Headset smashes. Like or... it, it comes across like he's worried to rip into guys because they might all leave. Well, how about this? Let me just interject because how about after the pick six, the camera rolls to Deggy coming off the field, and you text me, Scoot. This is, is going to fire Neil, me up. Go Neil, Neil Brown gives him the like. The that's okay, buddy Pat on the shoulder, right? Can you imagine if can you imagine if Garrett Green when Garrett Green doesn't make the right read, he gets his face ripped off. Can you he imagine? Was like that's all right. Listen, I totally get it. We do have blue in our uniform. You thought that might be right. a guy in our uniform. I right. get it. Don't worry about it, buddy. That's all right. Forgot what color we were. That guy wearing. was wide open. I get it. You yeah, caught right. a pass to the wide open guys. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. No, like. That infuriated me. But what are what, we doing? But what you're saying is you want to see Neil Brown ripping a face off, right? You want yes. to see like, like what the heck is going on? We pat him on the chest. Hey, you know what? You'll get him next time. You just <laughs> threw to a wide open guy who scored a touchdown. He looks like, uh, I don't even know. Uh, uh, he kind of reminded me of the Texas tech, uh, Columbia guy. He had like, uh, I kept calling him pony boy. Like, what the heck are we doing? I feel like you're already stepping up on the soapbox right now. Kansas is the doormat of Power 5 teams. Yes. Would, would we agree with this? Yes. Like, right, sure. Year in, yeah. year out, Kansas has been a like a corpse. Like, it's been <laughs> right. bad. Like, it is bad. Right. It's dead man walking. Every time they show up, some, <laughs> like, like they're just like, let's hopefully not embarrass ourselves. Right. And they have not had, they have not had more than five wins in their season since 2008 13 years if you're a good program if you're a solid program that you think you should be ranked you think you should be and we should be right if we want to have respect around the country we need to be ranked but if you think you're a solid program when you're going up against the doormat it should be three four plays and score three four plays and score it should be kind of that 
right? It wasn't. Right. It was like, all right, so at what point do the wheels fall off? How how can we hang on to this win? I know it was like 31-21, it was like, but it's it still felt like, okay, we're going to hopefully keep them from scoring. They threw two interceptions in the end zone, so they were that close to scoring twice on us. Two touchdowns well, on Scoot, us. Well, how do you feel, though, about – so what would you say to the people – we. We tweeted out from the Got Your Ears On account, you know, how how do you feel? How do, do you feel good about this? We won. How do you feel about it? And we got a tweet back from Nick Lafferty. So at Lafferty Nick, thanks for thanks for tweeting us back. He said there's plenty to feel good about. We're, we're not a losing team. You know, we got back to 500. We're going bowling. Um, we have a couple losses too. You know, he kind of mentions that we lost in the last seconds, probably like Oklahoma, for example. Um, and we gave away Maryland, you know. So he said – also, and I actually laughed at this. He said, Neil Brown has shown growth as a coach by not letting Deggy lose the game. <laughs> like, like where we said he took the ball away, which I think is tongue in cheek, kind of like another backhanded, you know. But what we said last time on the show, on last week's show, and, and I think you encapsulated it well. You said the next five games, so that included this Kansas game that we just sort of skated by, right? That we just sort of squeaked out. Yeah, right. Those are, those are, those five games, I think we said five because if you win, you include the bowl game. Um, and then you start next season with some really, you know, games that people are expecting you to come out hitting on all cylinders, right? Pitt, Virginia Tech, games like that. We said that's potentially the toughest five game stretch, the most meaningful five game stretch in uh, Coach Neil Brown's career. So I think that's still on the table, Scoot. I think you're still heading into that. You get by this Kansas game. I think. You've, in my opinion, you've got an opportunity at six and six to play another team that's not going to be, you know, you're probably going to run into a bowl game that's not a top tier bowl game. You're going to play a team that's going to be very gettable. So there's an opportunity there to, to, I know we're going to be like, hopefully we're not watching kickoff at 11 o'clock at night and staying up until two in the <laughs> yeah. morning, right? Because we've done that before, but hopefully we're not doing that. But at least you've got the opportunity. I'm still trying to be positive that you can springboard this into next year. And I said last week on the show, if you beat this Kansas team and you get back to six and six, it's not suddenly that you're like patting yourself on the back, but then that affords you the the room to stop, take a deep breath and say, okay, now let's get stuff in gear for next year and really attack this next season. My fear is that the approach is going to be to bring Jarrett Deggy back a known quantity and hit this season next year. The rest of these five games that you're saying are so important with the same approach, the same personnel, the same approach, the same play calling. That's what I'm worried about. So that's what I'm anxious to see is, you know, do we really take a step back and say, okay, look, three, three seasons of six wins or around six wins to your point, not getting it done. What are we going to do to change that? Let me ask you this question. Are you guys believers in history? Sure. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Historic trends and things. <laughs> okay. Facts. I like facts. Yeah. I'll go with facts I appreciate every time. that. If we win this bowl game. Yeah. Right. It will be a first for Neil Brown. How so? Okay. He's 4-0 in bowl games. You know what that first will be? It'll wait. No, I know what this is. It'll be the first time he's won more than two games in a row. Yes. In his three seasons that's what you're saying right yes think about that well then are you saying you're expecting a bowl loss because that's yet to happen based on historic trends what else do i have to base it off yeah i think yes i don't know it's crazy to me how are we happy with this i'm not saying nobody's happy with it scooty that's i think that's your problem it's like no i don't think anybody's happy with it i think we've all accepted it i just don't think anybody can see 
the direction that it's going to take. I mean, we're going to play a bowl game, and yeah, Johnson, you're right. It's going to be, likely, it's going to be either the Liberty Bowl or that stupid guaranteed rate bowl that kicks off at 10 10.30 at night. Yeah. Um, I, I, If you look at today, you know, if you looked after this weekend's games, if you looked at the bowl projections, a lot of them have WVU versus Missouri in the Liberty Bowl, which is a 6.45 kickoff uh, on the 28th Mizzou? of December. But we play yeah. Old Mizzou? <laughs> Old Mizzou. I was waiting on Skew to chime in. He hates M-I-Z? Mizzou, first of all. Oh, you or something? That. Don't they like yell yeah. that or something? It's stupid. that's right. I agree with the statement of these next handful of games, including the one we just won, are the most important of Neil Brown's career at WVU. And I think, you know, and put put the buyout aside, put the twenty four million dollars that shrinks to seventeen million next year, put all of that aside, and I think that if he can't hurdle these next five games, if he can't hurdle this bowl game and the first non-conference games next season cleanly, um, that he will be in big trouble. And I'm not – the problem is, is and Johnson, I'm not sure he has any other quarterback options other than Jared Dagey. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? And and that's what we kind of said last week. He hasn't done anything to, in my opinion, develop anyone to take on the role next year. He's decided that he doesn't like Garrett Green, and, and we haven't – like I said last time – you know, Goose Crowder is like a unicorn or a Bigfoot to me. Like I hear they exist, but I've yet to see them. So I, to me, I think Goose has thrown one pass in the LIU game all season. So I, I don't know if that means just like we're having people hit the transfer portal, possibly. Do we look to the transfer portal? I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. Like when I say you take that deep breath and you see what you need to do to attack next season, to me, that's part of that conversation. That's what I mean when I make that statement. Like you got to step back fill the void of personnel that you feel like you have in different places and and then go from there on the right foot. I, I'm not sure what all that's going to be, but the QB1 position is a huge part of that conversation, Scoot. Scoot, so let me ask you this, Scooty. Let, let's say, you know, because let's come to realism that there's Jared Daggy's playing the bowl game and you're going to see the same thing. We're going to see the same thing that we have seen uh this last couple of games again we we've seen less Garrett Green and we've seen all Jared Daigie and I think that's what you're going to see in whatever bowl game we play off season hits Scooty like Green hits the portal Crowder is an unknown quantity uh there's not I mean I don't know what's on the transfer portal yet and we won't know until you know are we, you know, and Nico's going to be a true freshman, so you're not. He, he needs to be redshirted. He needs to learn how to play college football. What other option do you see? Like, what do you see? What would you want to see Neil Brown do if it's not, you know, me personally? If I had a, if I had my way, I would say, you know what, Jared, thank you for your time. I'll take a rough season. With a goose, and I know Garrett Green won't be back, but let's say he is. I would take a rough season with you going in with a true quarterback competition in the spring and into the fall even if you had to, to figure out which one of those two guys is the guy. And then let them let go in the fall. I'll take lumps. I will gladly take lumps with a young quarterback as opposed to taking lumps with a sixth-year 80 billion starts uh Jarrett Dagey like this guy's going to set he might yeah, set but, like college records for 
quarterback games played. Like, but that's what you that's what you should have done this. Season. I get it. Like I, to me, to so me, that's not an option because no, right now, now you Johnson. can't you can't afford the lumps. But that's, right? the lumps should right. the lumps should have happened this and season. And that's a coaching that was, problem. If, well, right. I, I, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying that. So now I don't think you can afford that. I don't think you can do that. So you either have to have a savior from the portal, <laughs> save me portal, or you have to just send out another five or six win season with Jared Dagey. I think those are your two options. Scoot. I agree. I agree with Johnson totally, because I don't think there's, there's not a Will Greer in the portal. Like, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to hit the portal lottery again you know twice in less than five years you know it's I'd, not be, I'd be surprised so then yeah. my my thought is does the recruiting get more marginal right because how many five or six win seasons are you going to keep trotting out there before guys are like you know what why would i go to that program they just put together five or six wins maybe they make it to a bowl maybe they don't like that's not a big what right what are the big selling points and well, I'm, 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 and i don't disagree with you excuse i think that you know Bowl win or not, off season comes. West Virginia, Shane Lyons and, and the athletic administration staff is in a tough position because I don't see a path to a nine win season in the next two years. And I'm going to say this: and, God, I think Shane Lyons at the time did the right thing. I think hiring Neil Brown was the right person at the time because he was kind of the next up and coming guy. It was him. He was the high Fickle, coach, yeah, or uh, Norville. The guy that ended up going, where do you go, Florida State? Though he was one of the guys that you should reach out to and try to hire. I get that. I think maybe he perceived this anticipation that that Neil Brown was going to be a hot commodity last year, which I don't know why we felt that way. So he locked him up for an extension, which, listen, that's crazy to me, right? Because what what's frustrating to me is, we lock up guys in extensions, but they could leave at any time as long as they can get the buyout covered or if they're willing to restructure their deal and, and go. So it's goofy to to have this extension anyway. But now it's kind of really hamstrung Shane Lyons to the point where I'd like to see him maybe thrust his influence a little bit more and say, listen, Neil, uh, we're not filling the stadium any longer. Uh, recruiting is going to start taking a hit here. Maybe we need to either one, look at your staff, see what's going on there, or two, and maybe both, restructure your deal here to make it a little bit more user friendly for us. I think if you look around the conference, what the the what becomes tough, I think, for Neil Brown and for us is that, you know, Aranda has Baylor rolling again. You know, Baylor really should have been left for dead. I mean, that's a different, that's a conversation for another day, but Dave, but Aranda comes in, he's got them rolling. They're now going to be in the big 12 championship. How long was he there for? I don't know. I think this is his second year. Mike Gundy has them in the championship. Um, you know, I know Lincoln Riley, which is kind of right before we got on the podcast, all that news was breaking around Lincoln Riley leaving to go to USC. Look, they're going to get, they're going to reload that position. I think Bob Stoops is rumored to be the interim, right? They're going to reload that position. And Texas Tech is excited about the guy they're getting in their spot. Uh, I think TCU is the only place where it's kind of a really rickety situation. But guess what? My point is the rest of the conference is looking, you know, you know, when we sit and we look, who's where are our wins going to come from? I have a feeling a lot of people start to look at WVU and say that's where one of our wins is going to come from because of the mediocrity that's happening with Neil Brown right now. That that's my opinion. So I think it's not like 
it's not like it's going to get any easier. I think teams are going to continue to invest. They're going to continue to to have you know, trends in, in an upward direction. Matt Campbell had a down year at Iowa state, but he's still going to be there. He's still a good coach. They're going to play quality ball. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not going to get any easier. Johnson. I think that, I think that it's interesting to see some of these coaching changes in the big 12. And I agree with you about, you know, Baylor football and what has happened at Baylor. And now granted, I will say Matt rule, left the program in pretty good shape for yeah. Dave Aranda to take over. So right. I think that's a difference. I, I think Holgerson didn't leave it in as good of a shape for Neil Brown. But, yes, two years, Scooty, you're not wrong. He's really turned that program around. I, I'm just not – I don't – and that's the problem. I think that with everybody else, we saw direction with the program. We saw – with Rich Rod, we saw the direction. With Even with Dana, Hol, Dana Holgerson – we Daner, you like that? That was the worst you think of ever, right there. Daner, Daner Holgerson. Uh, even with Dana, like we saw a direction with it. I think Dana just knew that he had put so much in that was falling off in one year. The getting was good, and um, I'm not sure. Was there? Is there one? No. What do you mean? Like, is, is, there, is there a direction? Like, I still go back to. I don't know what what Neil Brown was known for. Like, I guess good recruiting, but. That only gets you so far. Like you can get the guys here, but you got to coach yeah, them. Yeah, well, and we we've and we've yet to really figure out what the identity of this team is for sure. I, I would right. have said defense, and it won't. I I can guarantee you this. I mean, it'll be bad, but it won't be trust the climb next year. It will be something different. Mark my word. Better not be trust the climb next year. So WVU next up for us is next Sunday, Selection Sunday. We really find out where we're going. Kind of all arrows right now are pointing towards the Liberty Bowl, but we'll see what happens as the week sort of evolves. Selection Sunday on ESPN uh, next week. Check that out. Other things we need to talk about. First of all, uh, thanks to Jeff Ruff for texting us during the uh, during the game. Uh, it was like we were must have been like the emotional dump for him because <laughs> it was like every ten minutes he was sending a text. He's like, "This stinks. Ha, oh, something good happened. This is great." And then, uh, but he did say one funny thing, what I thought was funny, which is if you're keeping track, Daggy has accounted for. F- uh, four, negative forty yards and six of Kansas's points at one point. So that was that was kind of funny. So thanks, <laughs> thanks Jeff for uh, for keeping us up on that. And also to our other friend, Mr. Kreitz. Sorry about your polka dots. That's all I want to say. My polar bears. Oh, Fairmont Senior won, didn't they? Oh, destroyed them. It was like I I don't even. And they're the sixteenth seed, which doesn't make any it's sense like, to me. They were like it was like fifty something to six. It was like oh. a, it was a massacre. It was a massacre for the polka dots. So uh, sorry about that. Well, sorry about you'll that, have buddy. that. You'll 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 have that. I mean, you never know. High school, right? I mean, you never know how high school balls. This is true. Us. This is true. Well, listen, guys, let's take a break real quick. We'll come back and talk really quick about WVU's basketball program and their game on Friday night. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives.
right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. Hey, don't forget, check us out on the social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for us at Got Your Ears, or you can look for us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On. We're there. We're funny. We say things that are interesting. You should follow us. Uh, guys, speaking of anger, uh, I almost lost it Friday night at this basketball game against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, West Virginia ekes, and I mean ekes out a win against Eastern Kentucky, 80-77. to 77. And it was, other than Taz Sherman having a career-high 28 points, it was a struggle pretty much the whole game, Johnson. Yeah, and I think this is one of those teams, I mean, L.W. Hamilton, who Scoot said looks like he's you know 55 and he's really quite a young guy, I think that he brought them in with a agenda and a strategy, a clear strategy. You know, I think in the first half they had already shot like 13 threes and gone to the locker room. They asked him, what do you want to see in the second half? And he essentially said more threes is what is the comment he made. Yeah, you know, right? Like they came in with a strategy. And as far as I'm concerned, Guido, it was one of those games where they were really executing the strategy. Well, look, when you shoot 50%, when you shoot that many threes and you shoot 50% from beyond the arc, you're going to be in the game. You're going to lead the game. Um, the only thing I would add to that from our side was other than Taz, unfortunately, we were just as cold, I felt like, especially from three. And I think we made some really untimely turnovers at points in the game where we could have gotten over the hump. Didn't you feel like that? You know, we had we would have a chance and then have just like an untimely turnover and then they would extend it back out to maybe five or six points. That was the frustrating thing. Well, and I think this just, this game is a prime example to show you like Taz can play great and Taz can be on. But if Taz and Sean McNeil or Taz and JB or Taz and somebody aren't on together, it's it's going to be a rough night because Taz can't carry this team by himself. JB only had five points. McNeil only had five points. McNeil played 37 minutes. He played the same amount of time as Taz played, and he only had five points. He went one from eight and two for 11 in the field. So, I mean... Scooty, I just that's what I'm more worried about is that you if you're gonna rely on three point and shooting like like Huggins is doing, if if McNeil can't shoot, if McNeil goes cold and JB goes cold, I don't know how this team's gonna win. I think the big issue that we're gonna really see is our lack of size. Uh, we haven't quite come across that yet, but it's coming. It's gonna come real soon. Um, I know we have teams like UConn in our non-conference schedule. Um, it seems like every guy on their team is six foot nine. Uh, yeah. We play, you know, once we get into the conference schedule in January, it's not going to be friendly. It's not going to be very pretty. And that's going to be a big time problem. We can get by against teams like East Car- uh, Eastern Kentucky because they're not very tall. If we can match, you know, guard play. But like you said, we can't rely on Taz by himself and I'll be honest, there are times where I feel like Taz is doing more than he really needs to or should do, and it comes across like he's almost trying too hard. But I think yeah, he, almost kind of forcing it. He yeah. knows that, like, if he doesn't, 
then we're really I mean, let's take him out of the equation. We lose that game by 30 points. Oh yeah. Yeah, well I thought I thought another enigma in this game too, Scoot, was I, I want to be a Malik Curry fan. I, I think I am quietly a Malik Curry fan. I want to root for him. I'm I like him. I like him and Kobe at the one, to be honest with you. I like that rotation. But I thought Malik Curry quietly scores 16 points, some big ones down the down the stretch where he where he kind of reminded you of like someone that would dribble drive, you know, and, and finish at the rim. I, I like that. Unfortunately, I also thought he had some of the bigger turnovers. He didn't have a lot of turnovers, but I thought he had two or three really big turnovers from the point guard position that was a bit frustrating. But he did add he was the from a scoring compliment to Taz, he had 16. He was six of eight from the field. He was the only person complimenting. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a, that was like a love hate relationship <laughs> during this game for me. I, I love to see the contribution, but I'd love to see him also take care of the ball a little bit more. I, I don't know what you think I, about that. I think, well, I agree. I think the good thing about Malik Curry is, I think I've alluded to this before. He was the guy at Old Dominion. He was their leading scorer, leading assist guy, maybe even leading rebounder. He had like three stats that he led at Old Dominion. So he's comfortable scoring, and I think he's comfortable stepping into that role if he needs to or if if we're looking for some scoring. Uh, I predict that we're going to see a similar growth or play from Kobe Johnson like we did of a young Daxter Miles or or Javon Carter. He kind of has that that feel to me about him that at some point he'll get some minutes – and there'll be clutch minutes, and I could see him. I, I remember Javon Carter hit that, I don't know, it was a game-winning shot, and they carried him off the, the court uh, as a freshman. I feel like that could be something that Kobe Johnson could eventually be or, or yeah. do. not saying that he's the same as Javon Carter. He's not. Right. But, but you I see feel, flashes of yeah, some I feel good like, stuff. I feel comfortable with him where I would – I'd feel fine if we wanted to start him. I'd be okay with that. I. I don't think he's going to hurt us. He doesn't do enough to really hurt us. And I think he's going to progress as we go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought with Malik Curry in that second half, Johnson, where he started to come alive, that maybe that was a coaching thing. And I think that I got the feeling in the first half, they were asking him to do a lot of point guardy kind of things, you know, pass, set up, pass, you know, rotate, pass. Uh, I felt like in the second half, I, I don't know if it was who it was. I don't know if it was Huggins, if it was Eric Martin. Like somebody uh, said, I'm going to guess it's Larry Harrison. I feel Larry makes a lot of choices. Yeah, if it was Larry Harrison saying, "Hey, let's take the restrictor plate off. Like, do your thing. Go out there and do your thing." Because you you saw like the first half, he didn't. The first couple minutes he played, he didn't really do any of that dribble. I mean, then he had that one great drive where he's at the point and just went right in past everybody. So I think that that potential's there. And I love Guido seeing him. I what. I get excited about is when I see him make a play where he drives and kicks to an open Taz. Like that's what this team I think can really thrive on. Cause we, we know Sean and Taz are going to be the shooters. If they're open, they don't even really need a lot of room, but if we're just sort of standing around watching each of them try to make their own shot, I think that's super difficult. So there were a couple times in this game, and I feel like I saw it during the Charleston classic too, where Curry drives like, you know, like, guys you see you know we've had in the past that would then kick and i so i love that i hope we start to build on that and see more of that because well, i'll say this i thought eastern kentucky passed a lot better than we did 
um, they made that extra pass to the more open guy. Like So an open guy would receive the ball on the wing, and then he would make that extra pass to a guy that was even more open. And you see good teams do that. Um, and and they made us pay because a lot of times they were hitting those shots on that oh, yeah, better pass. For sure. Yeah. So I'd like to see more of that out of us. If we're going to run five guards out there pretty much for the – I mean – four and a half because i mean like if it's poly polycap he's not very tall if it's gabe he's not super tall I and mean, he's not a guard but um i'd like to see us make those passes yeah and i think one other thing scoot i wanted to bring up because I, I feel like you and i are on are on this lately on the text machine but diamond kerrigan and poly polycap came in i'm starting to really like these guys i mean poly polycap makes me laugh a little bit because i feel like he's a bull in a china shop at certain points of, like he's giving 110 percent energy he's going 80 miles per hour you you don't really know what's going to happen but he's giving you full effort if you look if you look at him and kerrigan together they go uh four or five from the field 11 points uh, nine rebounds, two blocks. Uh, I feel like they come in, they give hugs quality minutes. I think Polycap had a great block at one point in the game that got the crowd into it a little bit more. I think Diamond Kerrigan shows some super athleticism at different points of the game. So I I feel like if Hugs has to look down to the you know down the bench and put those guys in, he's getting quality minutes. Now I know you're playing Eastern Kentucky, but I feel like they're going to be able to build on that and they're going to be there as the season goes on. I. I think the so I'll I will say this the elephant in the room right so what do we do with Isaiah Cottrell because that's the he he's not yeah comfortable. that's the minutes that are getting stolen I think he's for, not comfortable being an inside presence like there is that's not his game like he's just not an inside guy yeah he's more of a and I've said this before he's kind of more of a, a pit snoggle yeah he's gonna pit he's, he's more of a pit snoggle <laughs> he wants to be out on the perimeter but which Scoot, is fine he only, but skewed against eastern Kentucky he only plays nine minutes right yeah right and that's fine like listen if he wants to be a perimeter guy that's great he's a tough matchup on the perimeter like that's I'm okay with that but we have to have somebody inside though to kind of draw attention there to make him be more open right so the, the only way that because he's not going to necessarily beat anybody off the dribble so we've got to do some things to kind of draw attention to the paint so that a guy like Isaiah Cottrell who, who's got range can get open and shoot I don't I, he's not a rebounder right I mean we're not seeing massive rebounds coming out of him the problem that we have is he's our tallest guy that sees the minutes and that's unfortunate for him right. because the expect I know this from being a tall guy myself. The expectation is that I'm going to snag every <laughs> rebound and block every shot. That's, that's not my game. Block. I've got a yeah. Euro outside game. I'm I'm very European. I got you. Um, I <laughs> will stretch you out. You do I'll wear break tight you pants. Down. I wear tight pants. Yes. I'll do a little skip to my Lou Euro step kind of stuff, and I'll make you look bad. I think the other thing too, like Jalen Bridges comes out, Guido. You and I are such JB fans. I. I think JB just simply has a bad game against Eastern Kentucky. Yes. One of seven from the yeah. field. He goes over four from three. Uh, you know, he plays 26 minutes. He only ends up with, with five points. I, I think that's just, I don't want to be an apologist for him, but I think that's just a bad, that's just a bad night. I mean, I think that's, he, you're going to have some of those, uh, I, you know, I don't expect that from, from JB game in and game out. I think he just has a bad night. Yeah. And I think the same is 
true for Sean McNeil. I think the interesting thing for me, Johnson, in, in this game is that you're still seeing the, the, for lack of a better word, the rotation roulette that Huggins has been playing. You have, you know, 10 guys played, eight of them have double digit minutes. Only Cottrell and Johnson are that are under 10 minutes, and both of them played exactly nine minutes. So I still think that, you know, and he's got two more games, in my opinion. Huggins has got two more games to really sort this out before he's going to play a ranked Connecticut team on the eight, on the December 8th. So I think that he's part of me is trying not to get worried because he's he's still trying to figure out what's his rotation. I'm I'm actually going to be shocked. We play Bellarmine on Tuesday and I'm going to be shocked if if Isaiah Control starts that game. I, I have a feeling you're going to see somebody new in that you think, in that role. You think so? I think so. I mean, the way the minutes went this game, I, there was no sign of like injury or pulling him for any other reason than, than he wasn't happy with him. I mean, I, I think you see somebody take that take that starting position from him. I, I, I think that should happen, but I also know that we started Issa Ahmad, and that man slept walk the entire like first three years of his college existence. Oh, don't get me started on Issa. So, I loved Issa. And the, he's like the he started was so high there. Oh man. He, I, he, no, I, I know he did. Yeah, you're but right. You know what right. I mean? Like I I think sometimes guys come in and they start because well, and we all know this, right? So some guys start and that's how they get motivated. Some guys are comfortable coming off the bench and they don't really care if they start or not. Yeah. Right. right. And I and that's what I'm actually trying to allude to is I think that Gay Bossaboyan has earned that starting role. I mean, finally has a fairly, you know, 19 minutes, fairly decent offensive game for him going 4 for 6 from the field and having 8 points. You know, leads the team in rebounds with 7 and and again, those things that don't show up in the box score, Johnson, the stats that you don't see, the charges, the breaking up of passes, the fact that he just has a wingspan of 15 feet. He's all arms. And so like, yeah. And, and just energy while he's on the court too, I think. Yeah. And so like, I would like to see him rotate in and take Isaiah out. If Isaiah is not going to score points and if Huggins is not going to be happy with where Isaiah is on the court at any given time. You know, I think Gabe is at least listening and doing what he's supposed to do out there. And so for me, that that's why I think he's earned that more than Isaiah has right now. I think Isaiah is going to be fine, to be honest. I just think it wouldn't be a terrible thing if he comes if he comes off the bench. I think Scoot makes an interesting point. He may be more comfortable doing that. I think we got to understand, too, that he to me, he feels like a guy that's still trying to find his rhythm after the injury last year. And I think he could be just fine coming off the bench, you know, in those nine minutes, he only gets up two shots. So I feel like he just, I would just like to see him be more active to be honest. I mean, I, I would just like to see more out of him just from getting shots up, getting rebounds. That's all. I'm not saying he needs to be in there and score, you know, 15, 20 points a game. I would just like to see him be more active. It's also interesting. I I watched him play in high school. Uh, I went to the, the cancer research classic which is kind of a it was a big like showcase of a, some of the premier high school programs in the country they all played in wheeling he was on the huntington prep team which had seni Enjai, who didn't see the floor and that's probably why seni Enjai is not seeing the floor now um aj uh hogard from who plays at michigan state uh jamin brakefield who was at duke like those are big time players those were guys in the starting lineup so it was kind of an odd dynamic that he played there in the sense that he wasn't really the guy. Like, he would have good games, 
but he wasn't really the guy there. And so I think there is some sorting out that he's doing now because I do think that ideally WVU would lean on him a little bit more since he is so tall and he's he's got a good range. I don't know that he's ready to be leaned on per se. And, and like I said, some guys – and I think it's a confidence thing too. Like, so I, I look at Jalen Bridges. Jalen, I think, struggles with confidence, which in our minds, we're like, hey, he's like six, seven, six, eight, can shoot, can play inside. Why, why is he struggling with confidence? But I do think he struggles with some confidence issues. And so sometimes I think um, he kind of gets in his own head and gets in his own way. And I think I read somewhere where Huggins or, or Larry Harrison told him, you just got to keep shooting. Don't. Don't think about it. Just keep shooting. And so sometimes when you have those issues, you have bad games. I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of these guys. You know, I think you're going to start seeing here in the next handful of games, the minute situation really start to get more compacted and guys getting less minutes than they're getting now and guys getting more minutes than they're getting now. We've got two games this week, uh, Tuesday against Bellarmine. That's on ESPN Plus at 7 p.m. Bellarmine 1 in 5 coming into the Coliseum this week. Not a powerhouse of a team there in the A-Sun Conference. Um, Dylan Penn is their leading scorer, averaging 17 points per game but probably the bigger game this week for us Johnson will be the Radford Highlanders coming in on Saturday 4 p.m. game on ESPN plus and Darius Nichols brings his hometown team back to Morgantown to play against his old team and uh, you know he's had a really good trajectory of coaching since leaving WVU as a player you know uh, he went on and uh, coached at Florida then became the head coach here at Radford Radford's two and four right now but they don't really have any scores either nobody's averaging more than 10 points a game for them but it'll be awesome to see Darius back in the Coliseum oh yeah Scoot probably arguably one of my favorite Mountaineers ever definitely one of my favorite Mountaineer point guards ever Um, I think unfortunately for him He's got an uphill climb because Radford is just kind of a clunker right now, and he's trying to form them up into something into something good. De- uh, you know, they're just not very good right now. Guido made a comment that I think right now they have no one averaging over ten points a game. So they they're two and four right now. They come in, they kind of limp in, uh, just like Bellarmine. But I think it's it's confidence builders for WVU, and it's going to be cool to see him inside the Coliseum. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets kind of an ovation or something when they you know when they announce him. I think I think it. Could could and be cool. Let's be realistic, right? Bob Huggins, maybe five more years. If that's maybe probably on the generous side, I would think that Darius is maybe on the short list of people Mountaineer fans would like to see yeah. have a shot at probably taking over. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, I think of, and again, it's all thinking of recent history and assuming that they're going to try to find somebody that's got a connection to the school. Uh, you think Joe Missoula, right. you think Darius Nichols, you might think Rob Summers or. Um, uh, even uh, James Long, who's down at West Virginia State, uh, Jared Calhoun, some of those guys. You think of those names. Yeah, there's like a there's like an orbit of of people that kind of come to mind. He's definitely one of those one of those folks. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be fun to see him in the Coliseum. That's Saturday, 4 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Well, listen, we're gonna take a break and come back with the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluff. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got. Your ears on.
Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio. You'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. everybody welcome back to got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson and listen don't forget check out our website gotyourearson.com merch deals through the roof johnson and i just got this from uh the producer of the show okay all right hot off the press very important person uh let me know that we are going to extend our three dollars for any item purchased in our store will be donated to the bob huggins fish fry so anything you buy, you buy a sticker, three dollars, right to the right to the fish fry. You buy a t-shirt, buy a sweatshirt, all of it, three dollars. Every stickers item. are more than three dollars now. <laughs> between yeah, they are more than three dollars. They're four dollars. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. They're very good stickers. Scoot, they're quality stickers. No, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just making yes. sure that we're. I mean, they're die cut. Yes. Uh, so f- anyways, th- uh, $3 from any item sold at our store will get donated to the Bob Huggins fish fry between now and the first of the year. So anything you buy between now and the first of the year, uh, gets donated to the Huggins fish fry. So yeah, got to check that out, Johnson. And there's other things, there's other things on our website yeah, too, sure. right? So check it out to get to the link to the merch store. You can also find the latest show there with all the show notes. You can click on to check things out further and you can click on the tune in link. Uh, and listen to the latest show right there on the site. So check all that out. Yeah, check it out. GotYourEarsOn.com. Well, guys, it's time for the number one game show on a West Virginia University sports podcast, a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. And, guys, I have news for you. Okay. And we need we need to have a business conversation right Ooh. now. All right. All right. Let's do it. Uh, we hired an intern. Yes. We pay him. We pay him handsomely. Yeah. Sandwiches. Did not, did not get a bluff the fluffs from him this week. Had to write it myself. Ooh, that's a problem. Falling down on the intern I mean, job. That is a problem. I mean, those college credits that he's looking to gain. I mean, this, you know, uh, I mean, I've never had an intern before, guys. Like, when you have to write that letter to the professor about how they did on their internship, like, what do I say here? I'd be like, um, you know, he was supposed to do a job. He didn't do a let job. Let me down. Let me down. I would only challenge though that uh, we sound a bit spoiled, right? How many how many BTFs do we do? No intern. Then we get some super quality submissions. We miss one, and now we're just we're just all over this poor guy, right? I mean, I don't know this this clony. I mean, how many how many times do you get to miss though? Johnson, how many times? What, what's the standard? Well, I mean, it was Thanksgiving, Scoot. Like maybe the guy needs to spend some time with the fam. We pack him up. We bring him to West Virginia so he can experience the West Virginia thing. Yeah, he gets he lazy. Go to a game, and how does he pay us back? He's gotten soft. I mean, I don't know, guys. He's probably reveling in the the heated house that he has right now. <laughs> 
with 50 fans in it. Uh, well, guys, so I, you know, jump back on the horse like I tend to do, and I wrote ourselves a fine, if I may say so, a fine bluff the fluff for this week. All right. Okay. I figure, you know, we have we we spend a lot of time on this show talking ill will and frustration about our starting quarterback on the team. We do. And and I think we really need to take a step back and just because he's going to be our quarterback next year, I think we need to learn a little bit about him. So this week we're doing a little bluff the fluff about our starting quarterback, Jared Daigie. Scoot, we're about to get statted upside the Ugh, head. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? I understand. Like, you, you know how Snoop will go Snoop upside your head? I think Guido's about to go stats upside our head right here. That's what I feel. I like. mean, I, I won't lie. There are definitely some numbers. Ugh. There are definitely some numbers in this one. So, as always, guys, a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth 10 points. And final bluff is worth 25 points. Before we started, we had a complete and total random flip of the coin and... Johnson, you get to go first this week. Nice. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, here we go. I don't know if you guys know this, but Jared Dagey has a brother named Seth. Really? Yes. I've heard yes. that. Oh. And he, I feel like I've heard this somewhere. He was also a quarterback, and oddly enough, our current head coach, Neil Brown, uh, was his quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator, when he was in college. You don't huh. say. Interesting. wonder why they don't talk about this, Scoot. You never hear anything no. about this. So... But Seth now has moved on from his college career, and he is now a coach for what Pac-12 school? Is he a coach at Oregon, Arizona, USC, or Washington? Hmm. I am honestly not sure. Um, I want to. I, I want to accuse him of being at Arizona because they're so bad, but I don't think that's right. I'm going to go Oregon. <laughs> Sorry, that's incorrect. Scooty, for 10 points and the steal, is it Arizona, USC, or Washington? Well, uh, it's either Washington or Arizona. I'm going to say Arizona. Sorry, that's incorrect. He is currently the tight ends coach at USC. Interesting. Did not know that. There you go. So you learn something new every day. So Seth Daigie is at USC as a tight ends coach. All right. So nobody gets any points there. Got a feeling this is setting the tone for the game. And Scooty, the next one is on to you. How many interceptions did Daigie have in his two-year, 19-game career at Bowling Green? How many interceptions? Was it three, seven, 15 or 9. It was 7 interceptions. Sorry, that's incorrect. Johnson for 10 points and the steal. Was it 3, 15 or 9? I thought Scoot was right. I'll go a little higher then and say 9. Sorry, that's incorrect. 15 interceptions while he was at Bowling oh. Green. Oof. Interesting. Scoot. Oof. The oof meter on that interesting. one was high. Very interesting. He's currently at 18 at his 26 games at WVU. So just See, to I thought Guido was going to three us to try to make a point. I thought he was going to three us, <laughs> but 15. Oof. Oof. All right. All right. So nobody gets any points there. And we continue. Johnson, this question is to you. Jared Daigie went to Lubbock Cooper High School in Lubbock, Texas. Did you guys know he was from Lubbock, by the I way? I feel I've like heard I've heard that. something about that, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, Lubbock Cooper High School, what is their mascot? Hmm. Are they the Cowboys, the Pirates, the Stingers, 
or the churros. Oh, I love churros. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love churros? I mean, that's terrific. Uh, it would be annoying for them to be pirates because of Scoot's baseball fandom. I'm going to go with pirates. That's correct. Five points for Johnson. They are the pirates Scoot, what, Lubbock Cooper High. Scoot, what kind of pirates do you think roam the prairie of West Texas around <laughs> Lubbock? Uh, I don't even. Uh, the Pony Pirates? Maybe I don't know. Were that many? Were there that many pirates though in the uh, Prairie Dog Pirates? Pittsburgh. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's true. All right, here we go. Congratulations, Johnson gets five points and takes the lead. And Scooty, this next question is back to you. After this weekend playing in Kansas, Jarrett Dagey has thrown 40, 40 touchdowns for WVU. How many did he throw in his nineteen-game career at Bowling Green? Was it? 39, 47, 29, or 31? I feel like it was 31 touchdowns. Sorry, that's incorrect. 19 games of Bowling Green Johnson. Did he throw 39, 47, or 29 touchdowns? I'm going to have to go 29 touchdowns, Guido. Sorry, that's incorrect. It was 39 touchdowns in 19 games. Wow, okay. All right. He's And he's got 40 and 26 at WVU. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Just giving you some math, guys. Math to do in your head. All right, here you go. It's almost like we should know what to expect next season. All right, Johnson, this next question is back to you. Jared Dagey has two career receptions in college, one for WVU and one at Bowling Green. How many total receiving yards does Jared Dagey have for his career? Is it negative seven, three, nine, or... Or 21. I feel like it's negative seven. Sorry, that's incorrect. Scooty, is it three yards, nine yards, or 21 receiving yards? I'm going to go three yards receiving. You guys do not know our starting quarterback at all. Like, not at all. Nine total receiving yards. He had a 12-yard catch while he was at Bowling Green and a negative three-yard catch while at WVU. There you go. <laughs> How do you have a negative three yard catch? What do you do? Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Actually, I don't know. You catch it and you run backwards three yards. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Which sounds fitting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So nobody gets any points there. And Scooty, this final question before final bluff goes to you. Scores 5-0. Right now, 5-0. Johnson in the lead. Yes. How many career sacks does Jared Dagey have? How many times has Jared Dagey been sacked in his career? All right. This includes Bowling Green and West Virginia. Oh, boy. All right. Is it 53, 75, 30, or 100? Uh, 500 was not an answer, Scoot, so I know. I'm going to say 75. Sorry, 75 is not the correct answer. Johnson, for 10 points in the steal, was it 53, 30, or 100? Uh, Career times he's been sacked. I'll have to go 53. Nope, guys, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Uh, He currently has 30 on the season this year for WVU. He hit his career 100th this weekend while playing Kansas in Lawrence. Holy cow. He's been put to the ground a lot of times. That seems a lot. That seems like a lot, right? 
Is that a lot? That feels like a lot. Yeah, that feels like a lot. That's probably the offensive line's fault. All right. A hundred times he's been sacked. All right. We'll blame them. So no, nobody gets anything right there. Uh, All of his offensive lines over the last six years. Johnson, you're the only one who's gotten a correct answer, so you currently lead five. We won't look at the nothing. common denominator. We're just going to say it was the offensive line. <laughs> As we go into final bluff, guys, remember, correct answer is worth 25 points. And as we do every week, we ask you to have your own buzzers to buzz in for final bluff. Scooty, what's your buzzer this week? Uh, sack. <laughs> All right. Uh, sack it is. All right, Johnson, what's your buzzer this week? Double bird. Because we didn't talk about it, but it was hilarious when Chandler Semedo put the turnover helmet on and the Kansas fan lady in the front row gave him a double bird on live double television. Bird. You got the saw that on live that television. Was hilarious. They did joke about how the, the analyst said, it doesn't appear like he has a lot of fans there to celebrate <laughs> with. That's funny. All right, guys, here we go. Final bluff. Last question. Jared Dagey is currently enrolled in WVU seeking a master's degree. Finished his bachelor's up in May, so now he's seeking his master's degree from WVU. He might as well get a doctor. He's been in college forever. What is he seeking his master's degree in currently? Is it sports law, marketing, athletic coaching, or sports management? Uh, sack. Oh, man, that was close. That's about as close as we've ever gotten. I, I mean... I might have to go to an instant replay on that. Yeah, it definitely sounds like Scooty came out on top on that one. Scooty, Scooty, you get to go here. Uh, athletic coaching, yeah, sports law, marketing, or sports management? I'm going to go with, um, much like myself, I believe he's probably getting a athletic coaching master's. Correct for 25 points in the win. Scooty, athletic coaching for. Uh, We're like brothers. Yes, you and Jared Dagan are, are like master's brothers. brothers. You would have been in class. I'm surprised with him. he doesn't call or reach out to me for like help on some of the classes. I could help. Uh, and I can give him some tips on some other things. Guys, I know we usually don't do this, but since we're just rounding it up and I just, I, I wrote it, so we, we should just test that anyways. No points involved here. I just want to do the tiebreaker question. This is, this is clearly a Guido is very proud of his next question. And he's like, I wish I had put it in there somewhere earlier, but I want to hear it anyway. I feel like I got double bird uh, I went first. Back, I went back in to the, the replay. In you the went buzzer. to the replay. Scooty? Replay don't lie. Replay don't lie. They went, They checked. They even checked in with Gene Steratore in New York. Yes. And Gene confirmed it with us. So we usually don't do this, but I, I just want to, I want you guys to just do this question. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. The, here's here's what you will get if you get this question right. You will get to choose if you go first or second next week. So you can either defer or go first uh, next week and bluff the fluffs. All right. So this is what the tiebreaker question's for here. Tiebreaker question. Uh, closest closest to guest. Uh, how many career rushing yards? So including Bowling Green, Bowling Green and West Virginia. How many career rushing yards does Jarrett Dagey have? I'll let you go first, Johnson. Take a guess. How many career rushing yards? Career rushing yards. Yeah, so closest closest uh, to this number gets the pick. Negative 165. All right, Johnson goes negative 165 for career rushing yards. Uh, Scoot, in, in his... I was going to say negative 121. Scoot goes negative 121. Johnson wins. He gets to decide next week if he is going to go first or second because the correct answer for Jarrett Dagey's career 
rushing yards is negative 544 career rushing yards. Oh, my God. <laughs> negative 544 career oh rushing God. yards, guys. That is a rough, rough uh, go at it. Oh, <laughs> why? Well, when you've been sacked a hundred times, Scoot, I get it. I mean, yes, a hundred sacks. I mean, look, he had a ten-yard run against Kansas, and this he still game, is. And neg- I, I honestly had to, <laughs> I honestly had to double take. Like that was the weirdest thing I've seen in a long time. So yeah, I'm not really. I didn't pull this stat up, but he must have been sacked a million times too at, at Bowling Green because he has a negative 282 rushing yards at WVU. And negative 262 at Bowling Green. That's 10 less games than he's played now. And he's got 262, negative 262 rushing yards. Like, I mean, crazy. that may be, can these, can these possibly be career leaders and things like NCAA? Maybe. I'm just going to say it because I need to, I need to say it emo- just to get it out of my, my head. The reason I had to do this, especially with the stats, is, is because all week you've been hearing, and I'm as guilty as the next guy, hey, he leads the Big 12 in passing yards, and he leads the Big 12 in average yards a game. And it's just like, yeah, and he leads the Big 12 in a lot of other things that aren't great either. So, Well, stats don't lie. We'll, we'll hear from Coach. <laughs> anyway. Stats don't lie. Scoot, Scoot, he could be, Scoot, he could be first and goal at the one, hike the ball, Run backwards five football fields, <laughs> and still, <laughs> and may yeah, and maybe not have tied his career rushing mark. I mean, he, it's impressive. That is impressive. He's like a gargoyle back there. He really is. <laughs> you guys are gonna send me down this like, uh, but between now and next week, I'm gonna go down this hole of like, what is the career least amount of rushing yards to see if I can figure well, it out. We've got to see it. Like he's got to be in the. He's got to be an NCAA top ten. I am curious now. Yeah, uh, I'll see if I can dig it up, or we'll, we'll maybe one of our awesome fans on uh, on Twitter can dig it up for or us. God forbid our intern do something. I know, right? Can that guy get <laughs> out of bed and do do his job turn one time? Of, turn a couple of those fans off and get something done. I know. For God's sake, he's <laughs> eating sandwiches that make you sweat instead of doing his job. All right, guys, we should probably wrap it up this week. Extra long show. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Don't forget, you got some WVU basketball happening this week. Uh, We play Bellarmine on Tuesday at 7 p.m. in the Coliseum. That game's on ESPN+. And then Radford comes to town on Saturday, December 4th at 4 p.m. in the Coliseum. And that game is also on ESPN+. Selection Sunday next week. We'll be dropping our podcast shortly thereafter. So uh, we'll be talking about whatever fun and exciting bowl game we're going to get to go to so everybody buckle up and get ready because it's bowl season and don't forget look for us online you can find us on the social media at got your ears on instagram and twitter you can also look for us on facebook just search for got your ears on and our website is phenomenal check it out got your ears hit our merch section up three dollars any item you purchase three dollars goes to the bob huggins fish fry fundraiser so we donated five hundred dollars last year we really want to beat that this year so please buy our stuff we'll donate money to the huggins fish fry we appreciate every dollar that you spend guys we'll be back next week with another show thanks for listening you've been listening to got your ears on